Perception, Perception is reality. Reality. Well, hello there, folks, and welcome to this 184th episode of the podcast, Perception is Reality. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. It's great to be with you. Thank you for clicking on the link and giving me a little bit of your time. I promise I've got a great episode here for you, and you're not going to want to miss a second of this episode. This 184th episode is called The Pain of the Campaign, and we're going to get all into that wordplay in a moment. It's obviously about how horrible the whole campaign process can be and i know it's funny me saying that because i'm a political junkie and politics is my life i love every bit of this but i'm also a real person and i have common sense and i understand that to a lot of you and to a lot of other just normal people the whole process about campaigning and campaigns and politics and the government can be a little, well, you know, I understand that. So we're going to get into all of that, and we're going to be talking about how you, we, and all of us need to be examining the political process. We need to be taking a look at who these people are, how they're campaigning to us, who they're campaigning to exactly, and who is campaigning for them on their behalf and why. So we're going to be looking at all of that and a bunch more in this episode. I think we're going to have a great time. But before we get into that, like always, I want to ask that you share this show with everyone you know. Remind folks that we can be found literally everywhere. We can be found any place that other podcasts are played, literally everywhere. All they have to do is search for us by name, Perception is Reality, with Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we'll pull up. Of course, they can find us at the home link, perception.fireside.fm. That is perception.fireside.fm. They can also Google us by the name or by Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. And lastly, don't forget to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318 or Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook. There I release live video commentary five nights a week, Sunday through Thursday at either 8.35 or 9.35 p.m. So check that out Sunday through Thursday, along with all of the other written and posted content. You won't want to miss that. All right, folks, I want to get into this topic and this episode, the pain of the campaign. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and get a quick break out of the way. That way we can get into the meat of this and won't be interrupted until whenever we need to take our second break. You guys are listening to this 184th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. 
That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket Technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing under license in all 50 states and MLS Consumer Access Network number 3030. Ladies and gentlemen, the May 3rd, 2022 primary election is quickly approaching us. And if you're looking to support and vote for a candidate that you can trust, a constitutionally conservative, common sense driven candidate, then you need to throw your support behind Brittany Bridges Cloer. That's right. Brittany Bridges Cloer is your candidate for the state house. She has my full endorsement. She's a friend of the podcast, and I'm asking you to support and vote for Brittany Bridges Cloer for your next state representative of District 33. Authorized by the Brittany Cloer for Education and Agriculture Committee. All right, folks, we are back at it. Perception is reality. So listen, I know I'm not normal. I know that something is a little wrong with me being a political junkie. Loving politics and government and all of this craziness the way that I do, I know that most people aren't like that. Okay? I understand that. All of the ups and the downs, I love it all. I like the wins and the losses. And I mean, yeah, sure, let's, let's be honest, okay? I'm in it for the wins. I want... I want to win when I'm running for office. The, the two times that I ran, I wanted to win. When I've worked on candidates' teams, when I've been part of the campaign, whether it's been just a volunteer or someone actually on the campaign committee, I've wanted my guy or my gal to win. I've wanted my team to win. Because that's what it's all about, right? It's, it's getting in office, getting your person in office so that you can do or that so they can do what it is that you have in mind as a candidate or they can do what they have in mind as a candidate to make things better so that they can improve on whatever it is that they're trying to improve upon that's that's the whole goal right okay that being said folks that are politically active and are political junkies like myself we also know that the losses are very much a part of it we we understand that we understand that there's a lot of work that goes into this and you're going to have the big wins. You're going to have the big losses. You're going to have the tight squeak by wins. And you're going to have those times where you lose by a handful of votes. And those are the ones that hurt, honestly. They hurt far worse than getting just trashed. If somebody beats you by just a landslide uh, you know victory and and you didn't receive anything well, that's okay nobody liked you but what really hurts is i've worked on some campaigns where the candidates have lost by 20 votes 
eight votes, nine votes. I've I've worked on campaigns like that in the past, and those are the ones that really hurt. But we understand that it's all part of it. That's all part of the game. You do what you can to try and get in a position where you or your your person can make things better or at least attempt to make things better. All right? The losses are part of it, the wins are part of it, and I love all of it. And and I understand, however, that normal people don't look at it the way that I look at it. They think that all of that sucks. Hell, all of it sucks. The government, politics, politicians. I mean, it po- the, you hear so many people run for office in today's world say, I'm running, but I'm not a politician. I hate when I hear people say that. I hate when people say, I'm not a politician, I'm not a politician. You're running for office, you're in politics. Even if you're a first-time candidate, you're a politician. Now, I've recently heard the term statesman or stateswoman, and I'm I kind of like that, especially if you're somebody that is of the liberty mindset, you're a constitutionalist. I, I kind of like that. I might start using that term. Like, for example, Brittany Cloer running in the District 33 race against J.D. Prescott. To me, she's not the definition of the dirty politician that's money-grubbing, greedy, and selfish, and only doing what's best for some special interest group or herself or her family or her friends. She is in this for the right reasons, to make the district better, to make Indiana better and to do things in a liberty-minded constitutional way. She fits the idea of the statesman, stateswoman type of persona more than the whole concept of the politician. And that's just using one person as an example to kind of explain the difference there. But people have this whole negative bad connotation that surrounds the idea and the concept of the politician because what we've all had to deal with for so long People hate all of this. They feel like their voices don't matter and that the government officials, they don't care about us small people. It doesn't matter if they're Republicans or they're Democrats or we're Republicans or we're Democrats. Nobody cares what we think. Our voices don't matter. We go to work and we make all this money and they take all of our hard-earned money in taxes so that we can pay for all of these government employees. We pay federal tax and we pay state tax and we pay all of these taxes, taxes, taxes because there's all of these different people that need to be paid so all of these government employees can do whatever it is that they actually do and they don't care about us they're just there doing their job they don't care what we have to say they don't care about serving us again this is what a lot of people think you know it's no secret that a lot of people are just very apathetic about all of this and and shoot that's that's the government side of it we have a whole other process that happens that's in place that people also hate on before they even get 
to that part, they hate on the whole political process of the the candidates and the elections and the campaigns. They hate all of that. There's a whole other political process that people have to learn to survive even so they can get them in offices and so that there can be people hired and appointed to be in those positions where they're government employees that run around and do things that we don't like. People think before that that their votes don't matter and their their voices on election day don't matter and that whatever is going to be is going to be that it's all set up beforehand and it doesn't truly matter who we support or who we vote for and I don't believe that. I truly believe that we make a difference. I've seen the examples of the elections where we have made a difference. And I know that we can beat through this system. And I know that all we need to do is wake more people up and get them educated and get them active. But part of this is breaking through this sense of hate of all of this process. And and I get it. I understand the campaign process is very painful. It's so messy and it's so negative and it seems like it just goes on and on and on and these campaign uh, cycles last longer and longer and longer. And, And I mean, it's like every three out of four years we have elections. We have an election in the spring and we have an election in the fall and then the next year we have an election in the spring and then we have an election in the fall and then the following year we have an election in the spring and then we have an election in the fall and then the fourth year we get a rest ah but then it cranks right up so every three years we have six elections you have a primary election and then you have the general election And it seems like all of these elections just bleed in from one to the next, to the next, to the next. And people have a hard time keeping all of this straight and keeping it all in place. And it's, it's, it is, is a lot. It's a lot for people to take in specifically if you're not someone who enjoys this and if you're just wanting to try to cut through the noise and do the right thing and i'm telling you that there is a way to do that and it's education the education helps cut through all of the bullcrap of the election process because that's the first thing that we can do as people to to make our voices heard and to make sure that the process is as we want it to be. We have to understand the campaign process before you go hating everything and everything else. And I understand hating the campaign because of what they've done to us. Before all of that, let's let's take a look at everything. So you've got these people who have filed to run for office in January 
If you live outside of the state of Indiana, your process might be a little different, but still the same. The timeline might be different, but the process is about the same. You have a filing period, and people decide to uh, file, and they're going to run, and you have so many Republicans and so many Democrats. You might have some independents. You might have some libertarians. However it shakes out, people say, we're going to run for office, and then they start putting their teams together and sometimes you have people who run with the party help and you have people who run outside of the party you have candidates that like to run with other candidates and you have candidates that run specifically to run against specific candidates the important part of this is just as in government you listening to this Mr. and Mrs. Listener you are the important part of all of this process. You're the most important part. You're the most important position in government, and you are by far the most important position of any campaign. You're the boss. These candidates are running for you. They need your vote. They need our votes. They need our support. They need our money. So they need to be campaigning in certain ways, and we need to be able to look at that. If somebody is running for governor of the state of Indiana, look at how they're campaigning. Are they trying to get out and meet and greet people in all of the 92 counties in the state of Indiana? If they're running for governor of the state of New York, are they, are they getting out and talking to all of the people of all of the counties of the, of the state of New York or, or California or Florida or wherever? All right, I say Indiana because I'm in Indiana, and Indiana has 92 counties, and I'm familiar with those 92 counties. So is the candidate running for governor trying to get out and talk to as many citizens? Is his team trying to be engaged with as many citizens from as many areas in the state of Indiana as possible? If someone is a candidate for commissioner or for mayor or for county council or city council, are they trying to get to as many people in that county or that city as possible if they're running for a specific district are they trying to talk to all of the people of that district you have to look at how a person campaigns because they're on their best behavior during the campaign or they're supposed to be or you would think that they would be so if a person is running and during the campaign they're out here and they're talking to you and they're, they're staying late and they're getting there early and they're doing everything they can do to appear to as many people possible. Well, then you can decide a couple of things. This person really understands the game and they're selling it and chances are when they get elected they're not going to be this open. That's always a possibility. So keep that in the back of your mind. 
Or two, this person does like the people and does like communicating and they like to tell people what's going on and they like to be open and honest about what's happening and there's a chance that this person will continue that over if elected, once elected. But if you see a candidate that seems standoffish, that doesn't want to answer questions, that, that seems cold, that seems like they have an attitude when they're running, well, I, I mean, I guess somewhere in some fairy tale, if elected, that might drop off and they might be some ray of sunshine but chances are that's not going to happen. I've seen candidates get worse. I've never seen candidates get better. Meaning if you're a candidate and you're good, if you're an elected official then, if you win, I've seen those elected officials get worse than how they were when they were a candidate. But I've never seen a candidate become an elected official and become better than what they were. And we have to understand that. If you have a candidate that is in the campaign process and they're not willing to answer questions, they're not willing to get in front of as many people in the area where they're needing votes and support and money from, if they're not wanting to be seen, if they don't want to go on the record then you don't need that person to be an elected official in charge of you, in charge of the community that you live in, and in charge of the different operations that they could possibly be in charge of as that elected official. Is their campaign team open and honest? Will they talk? Or are they also cold and removed and distant? And there's a couple different reasons they might act like that. Maybe they just suck at campaigning and they don't understand what's going on. And that's something that you need to know. Or maybe they feel like they don't need you. They've got it in the bag. It's done. Everything's good to go. They don't need you or me or John Doe down the street. And folks, we need to know that because if there is a candidate that's campaigning like that, we don't want that person in office. We do not need that person in office. If they feel like they can do this without us, mm, that's a serious problem. That's a serious problem. We need to ask who they have on their team, who's backing them, that they feel like they don't need the people. Is it some special interest group? Is it some establishment government character? You know, on the, the national level, you always hear people talk about George Soros. George Soros is a bad cat. He funds a lot of different bad things and, and I agree with that I agree I believe that there's a little bit of conspiracy theory with it and then I believe that there's a lot of truth with it as well but folks I want to be very clear there's a ton more people just like that just as conniving 
and they're pulling the strings behind the politics and the government at the state level and at the local level, just like the national level, just like what George Soros does. That's going on in the various states. That's going on in your city. That's going on in your county. There are people that fund various candidates that like to fund the Republican Party or the Democrat Party and candidates thereof that like to think that they are the people that truly matter. And if you have a candidate working for an individual like that, well, that is not a candidate that you want to support. That is not a candidate that you want to give money to. You don't need to give money to them. They're getting money from someone else Someone that thinks they're better than you or that their thoughts or their concerns are better than yours or or more important than yours and that they will get service before you. And that's not how this is supposed to work. So you really need to know who these people are campaigning for, campaigning to. That's very important. How they're campaigning is very important. Along with that, who is campaigning for these people? You look at sponsorships and endorsements. Who's writing letters to the editor for these folks in your local newspaper, in the statewide publications that go out and go around? Who is writing social media posts for these people? Is it just everyday citizens, Joe Blow down the street, John Doe, Jane Doe? Is it the the business owner that's that's writing for his friend or for some candidate that this business owner became close with and, and they feel like this person is good for small business in the area? Or what about this? All right, we all know that on the national level, celebrities, the big-time Hollywood people, the basketball stars, the football stars, the the rock musicians and the different artists and and actors and and various upper-crust folks in society that you see on TV and the big screen and all of that, we all know that a lot of those people don't just do their thing, they also are out there uh, pushing their agenda, whether they are conservative or liberal, and, and they're out there pandering to their crowd, doing their thing for what they believe in. And, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. You'll hear a lot of people saying, you ought to just shut up and sing. You ought to shut up and make movies. You ought to just shut up and be a scientist. No, look, hey, we all have opinions, okay? We all have a right to voice our opinions. Now, the normal folks out here should kind of take stock in who's talking, what are they saying, and why are they saying it, all right? Are we talking about some young 18-year-old rapper or 18-year-old rock star or 18-year-old movie fan that 
hasn't ever paid attention to politics, but because it's the cool thing to do, they're going to lean left or lean right or do whatever they want to do, do whatever their bosses want them to do so that they can push an agenda. Are you going to give a lot of credence to that? Or are you going to listen to some political aficionado, someone who's actually paid attention and has been up on what's going on? I mean, what carries more weight? I know, depending on who you ask, people will say, well, the Kardashians carry a lot of weight. But in my world, I don't care what the Kardashians would say. Unless it's something to do about how to make uh, a sex tape or what purse to buy, I'm not really buying into what the Kardashians are saying about politics or, or you know, the greater world order, how, how life is going. I, I just don't feel like those people have much that uh, means much to me in the way of what goes on in life, you know? I might flip through and watch their TV show and get a, a cheap laugh here or there, and it might provide some entertainment. Yes, I might like listening to the Rolling Stones, or I might like listening to, you know, this band, 21 Pilots, but then when you get some band or, or some group that's out here saying, you know, also, we love Joe Biden, I'm like, okay, like, that doesn't really mean anything to me. Great that you love Joe Biden, but I don't know what your frame of reference is. You know what I mean? Like, did your manager just tell you to say that and you didn't know who Joe Biden was 25 minutes ago? Like, I take that with a grain of salt because I see what it is and I know what it's supposed to be. But we have to not kid ourselves. That doesn't just go on on that big mega superstar Hollywood national level. That also goes on at the state level and at the county level and at the city level and the town level. It goes on state and local as well. Because it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're north, south, up, down, east, west. It doesn't matter what state you're in or what little backwoods community that you've grown up in or live in now. There are all of these C and D and E and H and J and M and Z level celebrities that we all know, you know. I, I might be one of those people. I might be like a, a an X or a Y level celebrity, you know, maybe more in my own mind, you know. But, but no, I mean, seriously, um, we all know that there was this guy that was an extra in the old Batman movie from when uh, Michael Keaton was Batman, and he was the guy that... Uh, that that Bruce Wayne threw up against the wall and he tumbled and his name was in the credits on the very last credits page and he got paid you know 350 bucks for that and he came home and he he was uh, you know in the local theater for a couple years and people know him we see him around town and 
you know, he writes a letter to the editor for so-and-so, and people think, oh, wow, look, you know, Stuntman Jim wrote a letter for Donnie, the candidate running for mayor, and that means, man, we ought to, we ought to vote for that person as well. Now, you've got to ask yourself, is Stuntman Jim writing this because he cares about what goes on in the community? He has studied the candidates, and he knows that candidate Donnie is the best candidate? Or, or is Stuntman Jim writing this because... Ah, his his ex-wife uh, was friends with so and so, and and they got a hold of him and said, "Hey, you're you're somewhat of a celebrity, man. If you could write this, it could really help me out, and some people would really buy into it." You've got to look at who's campaigning for these people. Every community has somebody that played ball for some team, for some baseball team, for some football team, for some basketball team. I want to be very specific. In Delaware County, Indiana, around Muncie, we had a gentleman who played on the Boston Celtics, Ron Bonham. And Ron Bonham would write letters to the editor. Ron Bonham was always involved. He would go to different candidate events, and he would speak out, and he was always very active. Okay? Along with that, he also ran for office. He wrote letters to the editor. He won a lot of different elections. He served. So he was a local celebrity, but he was very educated in the political process. And if he wrote a letter to the editor, I would give that letter a lot of weight because he wasn't just spouting something using his quote-unquote celebrity to try and drum up some votes or support for so-and-so. He was using his celebrity and his experience in the local political scene to, to do that. And I would give his experience and his involvement weight. Now, you can say that goes one way or the other. There are people who would say, oh, Ron Bonham is supporting these candidates X, Y, and Z because Ron says it, I'm going to support candidates X, Y, and Z. Or you have those people that say, ooh, Ron Bonham is supporting X, Y, and Z because he's supporting X, Y, and Z. I will definitely not support X, Y, and Z. You understand? Like, for example, in Henry County, Tom Saunders is somewhat of a local political hero, a local political celebrity. He is the retiring state representative from the District 54 race. He is backing a candidate. He's backing candidate Bobby Plummer. Now, I'm not a fan, truly, of Tom Saunders. So when I see that he's backing Bobby, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Bobby Plummer. 
But when I see those two together, that gives me more pause. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I know not to go that way. There are people that will say, oh, yeah, I love Tom Saunders. He's backing Bobby. Okay, that's good enough for me. I'll back Bobby. So there is room for good celebrity, quote unquote, I'm using that loosely, quote unquote, celebrity endorsement like that. But honestly, you just have to be able to weed through. To me, it makes much more sense seeing the everyday citizen, Tom, Dick, and Sally, writing a letter to the editor. Hey, I was mowing the yard the other day, and such and such stopped by my house, and we had a conversation, and they told me about their priorities, they told me what matters to them, and I really enjoyed the conversation, and I really, I, I really felt comfortable with so-and-so. And I'm writing this letter and telling you, if you have a chance to talk with candidate so-and-so, you need to do that. When I read that letter to the editor, I'm like, okay, they're not selling me on who they are. They're not trying to get me to fanboy or fangirl over them. And they're telling me about a true life occurrence. And that means a lot to me. I'll check this person out. But you get some local celebrity that runs around and he or she does things in the community, but they don't really pay attention. Politics isn't their thing. But they write some letter supporting some person running for state senator or running for mayor. And you get people that jump on that bandwagon and you got to ask yourself, is this person someone whose opinion I would care about? Do they fully grasp what goes on in the political sphere in my community, in the local town, the local city, the local county? Do they understand what goes on politically in the state? Do they have their finger on the pulse of what goes on politically around me? Do they look into this? Do they research? Are they somebody that their opinion is worth a damn? Or are they just using their celebrity to try and reach the low information voters? Are they trying to use their star power to captivate the people that they are reaching so that they buy into whatever it is or whoever it is that they're selling politically? And the point is, people are supposed to, quote-unquote, buy what they are selling, buy who they're selling, because of the, quote-unquote, star power of their celebrity, rather than who the actual candidate is. And that's the trick. It's sleight of hand. It's like, don't pay attention to who the person really is. Pay attention to me because I'm saying it. And that's what you have to pay attention to and that's really important that's why it's important to know not only how the candidate and the candidates team are campaigning and who they're campaigning to but who and how people are campaigning 
for them. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to take another quick break. When we come back, we will continue on this amazing conversation. You're listening to the 184th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbury. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by the National Concealed Carry Association. Check them out at the National Concealed Carry Association.com. The National Concealed Carry Association exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates, offering elite self defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors, and providing rock bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Check them out at National Concealed SealedCarryAssociation.com. Do not delay. All right, folks, we're back, and we're just getting ready to start wrapping up this campaign talk. But uh, before we went to break, we were talking about star power and how you have to watch that. And and a lot of times, it, it can be used... Uh, both ways, because you can size up someone who is supporting a candidate, and based on that, you can say, well, wait a minute, maybe if this person is going after these type of individuals for their support, and I'm not really in line with how these individuals think or or what they have to say or how they approach things maybe that would give me question and a little bit of pause about what this candidate might think so you can use that for pro and you can use it against depending on you know how that is it's just it's another tool that you can use but we have to be willing to explore all of this and all of these are great tips on how we can decide during an election because i always get people ask me they ask me all the time they will say how do you pick who you support when you're looking at a brand new field of candidates specifically if it's in an area where i don't know the people if it's if it's an area where i've just got involved with or if it's new candidates i've never heard of before how do i decide who I am going to support. Well, I I utilize all of these methods. I look at what the people are saying. I look at how they're saying it. I, I, I try to find out why they are saying what they're saying. And I look at all of the reasoning behind all of that. Are they just trying to sell it because it sounds good? Are they passionate? Do they really believe this? Do they have life experience behind what they're saying? I look at who they're saying it to. Are they willing to talk to everybody? Or do they believe that there are people in their community, in the city, in the county, in the state, in the in the country that are better or worse than any other group? Because that's the thing. As a candidate, in my opinion, you must speak to everyone because as an elected official, you're going to have to be representing everyone. You're not just representing the people that voted for you. You're going to be representing the people that didn't vote for you. You're going to be representing people that hate you. 
You're going to be representing the people that don't know you. So if you look down on those people, if you're unwilling to talk to someone because uh, they had a DUI or they're a drug addict or they were a drug addict, they have a battery arrest, they, they've had a criminal past, if you're unwilling to talk to somebody because they have a difference of opinion in their lifestyle, say if someone is gay and you have a Christian conservative that says, I, I don't believe in this, I'm not going to represent these people, well, look, then you probably need to look at doing something different because it doesn't matter whether you agree with this or disagree with this. As an elected official, you represent everybody from the community. So who they're willing to talk to is important to look at. Who is campaigning for them? Why are these people campaigning for them? Are these people hangers-on that think they're going to get something if this person wins? Do they feel like they're going to have a, a better leg up? They're going to get contracts to do work in the city. They're, they're going to get their son on the police department, the fire department. They're going to get their son or their, their wife or their, their, their sister or their brother or, or their next door neighbor or their, somebody in their life. They're going to get them a job in state government or national government because so-and-so is getting elected. You have to look at all of that. It's very, very important. Something else that goes along with all of this that I feel is very important are the endorsements that we see that come out on social media, and I've been noticing that candidates have been putting them on mailers. For example, and I'm going to use this example because they, they're doing just an obscene amount of mailers right now, the state candidates. Like, for example, J.D. Prescott is attempting to buy this election. He doesn't want to talk to people door-to-door. -door. He's not knocking on doors. He does not want to talk to the general public. He is not out here putting on town halls. He's not out here doing Facebook Live videos. He doesn't even have his social media set up to where just you, John Doe, citizen, can comment. Okay, he doesn't have a social media page for his campaign. He didn't feel like he wanted to connect with people in that way. So what he's doing to win is going to his family and getting tons and tons and tons of money. And I say from his family, I have a sneaking suspicion that that's what's going on because his former deep pockets donors are backing away and they're not handing over check after check after check to his campaign because I think they see that he is a losing campaign. So he's reaching out to his family, his mommy and daddy, grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles, whoever, friends, can donate money so that he can send out mailers saying, I'm the only candidate endorsed by the NRA. Well, let's be very clear what that means, okay? Those are words 
that a candidate are saying. And where I come from, that's just one form of campaigning. But we, as intelligent citizens looking at this, as people who are educated to understand that we've got to dig below the surface, say we're not just interested in words. We want to see actions. So J.D. says he is the only candidate that the NRA, the National Rifle Association, endorses. Okay, well, there's only two candidates on the Republican ballot for District 33, J.D. Prescott and Brittany Clower. All right, there's only two of them. There's a Democrat in this race on the Democrat ballot. He doesn't have a challenger, so we'll deal with him in November. But in the Republican race, there are only two candidates, Brittany or J.D. Well, the NRA gave Brittany the highest ranking that a candidate could receive, an AQ. A is an Adam, Q is in Queen. They gave her an AQ because she is proficient in handguns and, and, and other, other guns. She is a Second Amendment lover and supporter. She answered their questionnaire. They feel that she is a 2A supporter. JD, apparently they feel he's a 2A supporter, but I cannot understand for the life of me or anyone else why. Because he might have answered some of the same questions that Brittany answered, but we have to look at his actions. See, the difference between J.D. and Brittany is J.D. has actually been an elected official and he has been in a position where he could put bills and laws forward that would be beneficial to the Second Amendment, that would be beneficial to those of us that believe in the Constitution and love guns handguns, shotguns, rifles, so on and so forth. He could have fought against legislation which is harmful to the Constitution and to the Second Amendment and to those of us that love guns and love the Second Amendment. What did J.D. do? J.D.'s actions speak louder than his words when he votes on a House Bill 1651 to disarm Hoosiers unconstitutionally. Now, that's not some kind of bullcrap crazy story that I'm just making up. You can look it up for yourself. Go to the Google machine and Google 2019 H as in Henry, B as in boy, 2019 HB 1651 and look at that. You might want to Google Indiana or Indiana General Assembly with it. So type into Google Indiana General Assembly 2019 HB 1651 and look at what you see. JD voted yes to some really crazy red flag law 
legislation. So J.D. is fine with going against the Second Amendment. J.D. is fine with disarming Hoosiers. So how the NRA can endorse that, I'll never truly understand. Maybe the NRA isn't as great as I thought it was. Maybe the NRA isn't as great as we all thought it was. Maybe they need a little tuning up. Honestly, what the NRA does is if they see that there is an incumbent that is a Republican, they just endorse them. 99% of everyone they endorse are incumbent Republicans. So it doesn't matter that there's someone more constitutionally minded just the fact that JD is an incumbent and he's a Republican that's that's easy they don't have to do any work so they're giving him an endorsement that's a campaign tactic now JD is selling that so you have to look beyond that you get the mailer and the mailer says I am the only candidate endorsed by the NRA well maybe somebody says oh that looks good I ought to vote for JD but you have to be willing to do the extra work You have to be willing to make sure that that campaign tactic is truthful. And that campaign tactic right there, it's a mailer. It's went out. I've seen it. Tons and tons and tons of District 33 representatives have held that in their hands before throwing it in the trash can. And I'm going to guarantee you there are going to be some that buy it. But those of us that know we have to do the work beyond just getting the mailer in the mail and saying, okay, he's our boy. We know we have to check up on this. And it's not just J.D. and Brittany. This goes for all of them. This goes for District 22 and District 54 and District 93 and District 48. All of the districts. All of them. All of the races. State representatives, state senators, governor, secretary of state, attorney general, Commissioner, council, city council, mayor, it doesn't matter. Prosecutor, sheriff, folks, you have to be willing to do the extra work. And, and one of the easiest tools that you have is your noggin, your brain, your intelligence. You have to use your eyes, use your fingers, type in, do some research. It's not that hard. I know it seems like a lot, but it's not. One of the easiest things that you can do that will benefit you in your quest to better government through your involvement is look at who's campaigning, how they're campaigning, who they're campaigning to, who's campaigning for them, and what's the truth behind what's being said. J.D. likes to say that he is endorsed by all of these pro-life organizations. Yet, J.D. and the other supermajority Republicans have voted against pro-life issues. Just, Just that easy. Just that easy to look that up to verify that. So he is using a campaign tactic, 
which in my opinion I call a lie, and we all know that they do that. We all know that they do that. I think Brittany's sending out a mailer, maybe sending out two mailers. Brittany is beating the pavement, feet on the street. She's knocking on your doors. She's calling, texting, emailing, answering questions, appearing at all of these different places, reaching out to the citizens, not begging for money from relatives and special interest group who she will then sell her soul to or, or owe her soul to later on down the road. She's getting by with donations from friends and supporters and family that believe in her cause. Not big, special interest political action committees. Not the establishment party. And that's important. Along with those celebrities, just like on the national level, you're like, oh man, I don't like so-and-so. That person leans left or that person leans right. I don't like that they do that. I wish that they would just do their craft, their art, sing the song, act in the movie, play the basketball, play the football. Well, that happens at the local level, folks. That happens at the state level. Don't be fooled by that. We have to look at the campaign. It can be painful. The pain of the campaign. It can be rough. Or it can be a great tool that we use to overcome the craziness. All right, folks, that's going to do it for me for this episode. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. You're always amazing. You guys are the absolute best audience around, and I love and care about each and every one of you. And I'm so thankful for all of you that reach out and get in contact with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Talk to me about the show and about other issues and topics and ideas. If you want to get in contact with me, you can always hit me up through the home link, perception.fireside.fm. You can always get me there. You can always hit me up on Facebook at Christopher H. Bilbury on Facebook or facebook.com forward slash Bilbury318. You can always email me at khbilbury at gmail.com. Or if you want to text or call the studio line, you can do that at 765-546-9796. God bless each and every one of you. Until next time, remember to stay safe. Stay tuned and stay true. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception, perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement. <laughs>